Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everyone. We are in our fourth part of a series called Love Like This. And this series was birthed from the very words of Jesus when in John chapter 13, 34, and 35, Jesus himself says this. He says, a new command, which that word command means a new order, a new charge I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So he commanded us, he ordered us to love one another, and he backs that up by saying, this is how people are going to know that you are actually a follower of mine if you can learn how to love one another, if they see love as an attribute of yours, if everywhere you go, you, love, you show love and kindness the way I show love and kindness, that's how people are gonna know you're my disciples. And see, a disciple was someone who learned from a rabbi. It's a very interesting thing. Back in the day, what would happen is is a rabbi would go through all of this training, all of this schooling, all of this learning to become rabbi status, to become a Pharisee, to become a religious leader. And that's probably why Jesus didn't start his ministry till he was 30 years old, is because he was training, he was learning, he was doing all this schooling and studying. And then once someone became a rabbi, they would then begin to teach other people their ways. They would teach people to do what they did. And so when Jesus went out and he picked 12 disciples, what he said is, follow me. Remember, he called them and said, follow me. And what he was saying is, learn from me. Learn what I do. I'm going to teach you how I talk. I'm going to teach you my wisdom. I'm going to teach you my ways. I'm going to train you to be like me, to do the things I do to love the way I love, to act the way I act, to behave the way I behave. That's what a disciple of Christ was really all about. It was like an apprenticeship where they were learning to be just like their rabbi. And to this day, this very day, that's the same definition of disciple that we have. We're to emulate Christ. We're to emulate his behaviors and his patterns. And so when Paul, or when Jesus said, go and make disciples, what he's saying is, go and make other people who know what I know, who do what I do. That's why when Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, he's saying, listen, I'm going to teach you some things, but I get it all from Christ. And that's the goal. So when we say love like this, we're trying to love the way Jesus loved. And one of the ways... Jesus loved people and taught us to love was by living in authentic community with one another. Jesus did life with people. In fact, when he came to this earth, he got 12 disciples together and he did life with them. He taught them, but he also dined with them. He probably celebrated birthdays with them. He was part of their families. They did life together in authentic community. 
And whenever Jesus was with people, doing life with people, there were three values that were present. The value of love, the value of learning, and the value of serving. And so when you spent time with Jesus, three things happened. The first thing that happened when you spent time with Jesus is you were loved. You were loved. And Jesus did this by getting in people's worlds, by doing things, going the extra mile and doing things that most other religious leaders would never do. One of these instances we find in the Bible is a guy by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. And if we know, we've talked about tax collectors before, we know that tax collectors were pretty much the scum of the earth in the Jewish religious leaders' minds. They ripped God's people off. Nobody liked tax collectors. They were outcasts. In fact, they were put in the same category as sinners and unclean people. You know, if you were living and you got sick or you got a disease, you would be deemed unclean and you'd actually have to leave the camp and go somewhere else. And these tax collectors were put in that same category as people who were unclean, people who were sinners. No one liked tax collectors. In fact, they were outcasts in the temple and the synagogue. So if a tax collector wanted to learn about God, Unfortunately, the last place he would be welcomed was in the temple or in the synagogue because no religious leader would have a dirty, unclean sinner in the temple or the synagogue. So the fact that this guy Zacchaeus was following Jesus around is very interesting. He saw something in Jesus. He thought, this guy's different than any other religious person I ever met. He actually shows love to people. I mean, I heard that there was a woman caught in the act of adultery, and they they brought her to Jesus to stone her, and he actually said, I don't condemn you. I got to get to know who this Jesus is. He seems different. So Zacchaeus tries to get close to Jesus, but can't because there's crowds all around him. So he climbs a tree where he knows Jesus is going to pass by. And Jesus passes by, and he sees Zacchaeus in the tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come stay at your house tonight. I'm going to come have dinner with you. I'm going to come and dine with you. Which was crazy. The fact that Jesus would go to the house of a tax collector. No other religious person would do this. I mean, it, it was scandalous. It was like there's no way this guy could be a man of God. There's no way Jesus could be who he says he is if he's willing to go into the house and eat and drink with a tax collector. But Jesus broke down that barrier because I believe he saw the heart of Zacchaeus. He saw that he was, God was drawing him. He saw that Zacchaeus wanted to change and be different And what I love about this story, Jesus just goes to Zacchaeus' house. He accepts him for who he is. He doesn't tell him, you need to repent, you need to clean up before I come into your house. He just says, listen, I'm coming to your house. And in the portion of scripture, we don't see a lot of dialogue, but there's no evidence that Jesus evangelized to Zacchaeus. There's no evidence that he condemned him or told him to change his ways or behavior. He simply dined with them. 
And at the end of the dinner, Zacchaeus says this. He says, I'll give half my possessions to the poor. If I've taken too much from anyone, I'll give back four times as much. You see, it's amazing what happens under the blanket of kindness and love. See, most of us Christians, we have good intentions. We have the Bible and we're trying our hardest to live our lives above reproach. We see that there's behaviors in here that we should stay away from. And so we're trying our hardest to live a moral life, to follow God's ways. And sometimes when we become Christians for longer and longer periods of time, we forget that there's people out there that don't know Christ. They do reckless things with their lives. They don't behave the way we deem is okay to behave. So we feel justified in calling out their sin. We feel justified in judging them for their behaviors. But Jesus didn't didn't command us to do that. In fact, he rebuked religious people who did that. There was a time in the Bible when Jesus was just simply eating, drinking with some people that were sinners. And the religious leaders were like, why is, why is this guy eating with sinners? And, and Jesus said, listen, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. Other time in scripture, he said, why are you so quick to point out the speck in your brother's eye and ignore the plank in your own? He got on the religious leaders because he said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside, outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead man's bones. It's pretty hard. He only got hard on people who thought they were better than other people. Who judged people for behaviors that they didn't know God. and They would still judge people for those behaviors. So he didn't command us to be judge and jury. He didn't command us to get involved in taking a stand against certain groups of people. He didn't command us to do that. He didn't order us to separate ourselves as much as we can from the left wing. He didn't do that. He commanded us to love and treat people with the love and kindness that he treated us. That's what he commanded us to do. And when you experience someone treating you with kindness, when you don't deserve it, you know how amazing it feels. I'll never forget my junior year of high school. That's the year when I feel like I began to really own my faith. I grew up in church from the time I was young. I went to church. I remember giving my life to Christ at five years old in Sunday school. I was in church all the time. But it got real for me my junior year. That's when I started cultivating a relationship with God on my own. I'd actually pick this book up on my own, start to read it, and I felt like God was speaking truth to me. I developed a relationship with him. I'd go to church, and I'd, I'd get participate in worship, and and take notes during the message and apply those teachings to my life. My junior year is when I felt like I really began to get serious about my faith. And it was when I was spending time with God my junior year that I I began to believe that God started calling me 
to teach and to preach and to be a pastor. And I felt like that was the calling that God put on my life. And he started opening up doors for me to do ministry as a 16-year-old kid. I remember I started a Bible study at my school. We also put on a huge evangelistic outreach right at our high school and tried to get people there to know Christ. And I'll never forget, I was 16 years old and a youth pastor reached out to me. He said, I'm doing a huge barn bash and outreach for teenagers in Oxford. We're going to gather everyone in a barn. We're going to have fun. We're going to play games. But I'd love for you to share your story. I'd love for you to give your testimony and, and preach to these teenagers. And I'm like, wow, you want me? I said, yeah. So I remember I go there and I preach And it was the first time I saw my teaching and preaching. I gave someone an invitation to come to know Christ and hands went up. And it was the first time I got to experience God using me to lead other people towards him. And it was amazing. Well, later on towards the end of my junior year, I kind of had a Jonah moment where I realized I was called to ministry and called to do this, but I kind of freaked out about it. I saw what my parents did. They were in full-time ministry, and I really wanted nothing to do with it up to this point in my life. And when it became real that this is what I was supposed to be doing, I kind of did the Jonah thing, where I turned the other way, Nineveh was over here, and I started running. Luckily, I didn't have to spend time in the belly of a great fish for any period of time. (laughs) But I started doing things, I started hanging around my older, old friends, and I started getting into the party scene a little bit. I was drinking, I was partying, I was kind of going the other way than, than God drawing me. I stopped reading his word, I stopped praying, I stopped seeking his face, and I'm like, I gotta, I'm running. Well, it was during my senior year, and this didn't happen for very long, but it was during my senior year that I found myself at a party. And I had drank a lot that night, and I was at this party, and all of a sudden, in walks a group of people that I had led to Christ at the barn bash a year earlier. They come walking into this party. They were there because they felt like the Lord led them there to be a light to people. And they walk in, and I'm inebriated, and I'm acting like a fool. And I'll ne- I was trying to avoid them, but they saw me. I'll never forget. They walked up to me and they said, what happened to you? What happened? And I kind of, we talked for a few minutes, but I'll never forget their response to me. Never once did they pass judgment on me, which they could have. Never once did they tell me how terrible of a hypocrite I was. This is what they said to me. They said, Chris, God used you to change our lives, and we know that's who you really are. And we know that God is going to continue to use you to change lives, and this is just a little hiccup. We believe in you. And I'm telling you, that right there That act of kindness, that act of love, you know what they were doing? They were loving like Christ. That act began to lead me back towards Christ. See, we need that in our community. 
We need the act of love and the act of kindness that Jesus brought with him everywhere he goes. So when you spent time with Jesus, you were loved. But when you spent time with Jesus, you also learned a ton. In the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 34, the Bible says this. It says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Jesus loved to teach people things about the kingdom of God. He loved to do this. And the ability to be teachable and to learn is a huge value in the kingdom of God. See, we have the word of God and we have the ability to read it, to digest it, to get it in our hearts, to get it in our minds. And when we do this, our beliefs and our mindsets begin to change. And when our beliefs and our mindsets begin to change, our behaviors begin to change and we become transformed more like Christ. But it happens when we learn. It happens when we study the life of Christ. It happens when we study guys like Paul the Apostle and we learn and pray and seek God's face and read about what the wisdom that they had and they share with us. And when we do, our whole lives begin to change from the inside out. That's why learning is so crucial to becoming a disciple. And I love that we are in an era of time where you can learn just about anything. You go on the internet, you can learn how to do anything. You want to cook a new sauce? YouTube. You want to learn how to putt better? YouTube. You want to learn that new makeup tutorial? How to do your makeup better? YouTube. You can learn just about anything. And I love that. In fact, Megan and I, on Christmas morning, we decided to go for a walk out on our lake. We live on a lake right now. But we wanted to make sure it was frozen because we had kind of a a nice December. It looked frozen, but we wanted to make sure it was. So what did I do? Went on the internet, figured out how many inches it had to be froze to go out on the lake. Then I watched a YouTube video on what to do just in case you fall into the lake. And this video was so funny, I had to show it to you this morning. Let's watch it real quick. Okay, so this is the cold chakra spots, which really can be mitigated. If you just relax and realize that it's going to pass and that after it passes, you'll be able to do the second part of your self-rescue. So I spread my arms out so that I didn't get fully immersed in that gasp response, didn't make me inhale water, so I've survived my cold shock response. Now to get out, instead of trying to pull myself straight up, I'm gonna start to kick my feet and raise them up behind me. And then kick. Until I'm on flat ice. Now I don't wanna stand up now. Gonna ease myself forward. (laughs) 
until I feel like I'm on stronger ice. Test it. And start to move towards shore. So now you know what to do if you fall on the ice. Perfect for this time of year. But what I love about this guy is he's so passionate about teaching us this. Like, he's so passionate about maybe saving a life that he literally jumped in the water. And God, if, if you watch, I, I didn't want to put you through it, but he gets out and then he does a side view where he, he jumps in again and shows you what it looks like from the side. It's just pretty hilarious. But this guy was just passionate about teaching people Saving a life, doing it. And, and you know, Jesus, when you hung around him, he was passionate about teaching us things as well. He went to extremes to teach us things. In fact, the greatest lesson in history about love and sacrifice was performed by Jesus himself when he went to the cross. See, he didn't just talk about love and sacrifice, but he went to the cross and he showed us what love and sacrifice really was about. Then he raises from the dead and says, hey, I told you, I am who I say I am. Amen. Jesus was a powerful teacher and he loved to teach in relatable ways to us. He loved to give us a kingdom principle, but speak our own language. Like I can just, one of my favorite parables is the parable of the sower. When Jesus himself, he must be hanging around farmers, but I can just see him. He's got these seeds in his hand. And he's talking to farmers. He said, you know, the kingdom of God's kind of like this. You know, you sow some seed and, and some falls on the path over here. And I can just see him throwing some seed just on a hard path. And, and you know, it, and some seed falls over here in the rocky place. And I can just see him throwing some seed over there by the rocks. And then some seed, you know, when you sow it, it's going to fall amongst the thorns and weeds. But then, you know, some seed, it's going to fall right here in the good soil. And I can just see these farmers lighting up going, I understand that. And it's like the kingdom of God's kind of the same way. You know, when people hear the word of God, sometimes that word that's sown, it falls here on the, on the hard path. And the birds of the air, they come and they steal that seed, just like the enemy comes and he steals that seed. But then sometimes, you know, you have that seed that goes on the rocky place. And we know that seed can come up quickly, but because there's rocks everywhere, it's never going to be able to build a good foundation. And that's how other people are. You know, they come to, come to Christ or they hear my word and they want to respond to it. And they do right away, but then... They just don't do what it takes to learn and to cultivate a walk with me so that it's actually sustainable and life-changing and transform transformational. But then there's other people, you know, this seed over here, it falls amongst thorns and weeds. And that's the people who hear my word, but but just the things of this life overwhelm them. They want to live for me. They want to have faith. They want to believe that everything I'm saying is real. But they see the things around them and they begin to doubt. 
Maybe there's the worries of this life, fear, stress, anxiety, depression, loss, pain, not understanding why bad things happen, the deceitfulness of wealth, the deceitfulness of this world. It just chokes out that faith, that seed, and they, they sprout up, but they, they just can't grow and survive because they've got all these doubts and all these fears and all these insecurities and all these worries of life. And, They don't let my word build their faith and transform their lives. But then there's some seed that falls in the good soil. I could just imagine these farmers going, that's the good soil. We know what happens there. One seed can produce a crop 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. See, The reason we do what we do, I can just imagine Jesus saying, the reason I do what I do, the reason I walk around and I teach people about the kingdom of God is because I know that some of that seed's gonna fall on good soil. And the word's gonna go down deep and people are gonna learn about me. They're gonna have a revelation of who I am that's gonna change their whole life. Religion isn't going to be a a place that they go to once in a while. It's going to be the very thing that drives them. A relationship with me is going to change every aspect of their life. Wherever they go, they're going to carry the light of Christ with them, and those people are going to change the world for me. That's why I do this. I just love how Jesus would teach us things that just made so much sense. And he got on our level to do it. And you see, a true disciple of Christ will spend time learning the very ways of Jesus, the very language of Jesus, study his life and learn to do what he did. You know, I can spend hours learning how to do other things. I mean, I I spent five minutes watching this video. I think I watched it three times. I'll never get that time back, but at least I know how to get out of the lake if I ever fall in. But we'll watch videos, we'll, I'll read, I'll research things, like how to be healthier, how to work out better, how to do certain workouts at the gym. And I'm grateful that we live in an era where we can learn anything. But 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, it says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. The greatest thing we could ever do is learn to be a man or woman of God. It's the greatest thing we could ever do. The Lord revealed to me not not too long ago that purpose is more about who you are than what you do. What you learn, what you put into your mind, what you study, what you learn about God, how you allow him to cultivate your life and transform your heart, that is going to be the thing that determines your success and your future in life. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are, and who you are becomes what you learn, what you spend time investing into. And a true disciple will spend time learning from Jesus. So when you spent time with Jesus, you were loved, but when you spent time with Jesus, you also learned. And the third thing is this, when you spent time with Jesus, you served. You served. 
If you've been a Christian any length of time, you know that the Last Supper was a big deal for Jesus. It's the last meal he had with his disciples before he was arrested. And during that dinner, he washed all of his disciples' feet. And after he washed his feet, I want, I want to read a portion of this from John 13, 12 through 17. The Bible says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said to them this, he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than the master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed to do them. The significance of this passage is huge. You see, back in biblical times, during this time period, people had really dirty feet. They would bathe, but every time they left the house, they wore sandals and they traveled on dirt roads, so their feet would get dirty. And they would travel for long periods of time. They would walk or ride a horse. They didn't have the the ability to travel like we do. So their feet would get really dirty. And when you would walk into someone's house for a dinner party, the first thing they would do is they would have a servant or a slave wash your feet. Every person who came in, the same person would wash their feet. It was like the worst job you could possibly have. But they would do that. And so when Jesus got down to wash his disciples' dirty feet, Peter went nuts. said, you're not washing my feet. If anything, I should wash yours. Because no Jewish rabbi, no teacher, no man of God would ever stoop so low to wash his disciples' feet. If anything, his disciples would wash his feet. Not one of them would have the humility to get down on their hands and knees and wash someone else's feet. They didn't go through all that schooling, all that training, learn all of what they learned, become a man of God so they they could be like a servant and wash someone's feet. But Jesus did this. Here was a guy who performed miracles, who healed the sick, rose the dead, cast out demons, brought peace into situations. And he's on his hands and knees washing his disciples' feet. Sending them a message. You are not better than anyone. Just because I'm going to send you out and you know God and you have a relationship with him and you have the Holy Spirit and you're going to be able to perform miraculous signs and wonders, that doesn't make you better than anybody else. In fact, you need to be more humble than anyone else. You need to have a servant attitude. You are there to serve them. They are not there to serve you. 
It was a powerful lesson of humility that they would need to learn because they all went on to do great, incredible things for the kingdom of God. And I'm sure pride could sink in. When you say silver and gold, I have none, but what I have, I give you, get up and walk, and someone gets up and walks. I mean, pride might creep in a little bit there. But I believe this lesson always came back into their minds. You're not better than anyone. I don't care what you have. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how, much, how big of an anointing you have. I don't care how close you are to anyone. You are not better than another human being. And we need to learn this. We are not better than any other human being on the planet. None of us are. And Jesus taught us this powerful lesson, but he also said, you're here to serve people by moving to action. Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. And what I loved about this is when he sent them out, He told them, don't bring anything with you, but you will be able to go out and do the very things that I've done. All the learning, it's time to move to action. See, learning is done so that eventually we can start serving. And so he's saying, now it's time. You've learned from me, now it's time to go out and do. And what I love is he said, you'll be able to do the very things I did. You'll have my wisdom. You'll, be, you'll have my authority. You will be able to forgive sin. You'll be able to heal the sick. You will be able to bring peace into a home. A home that's chaotic. A home that lacks peace. You will literally be able to bring peace into that home and leave it there as well. Pretty incredible See, the goal of us being disciples is not to just love, it's not to just learn, but it's to do, it's to step out and do the things that we're learning. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Jesus says this, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, we're called to be a conduit of the light of Christ and at the same time, be a humble, loving servant. At the same time, we're called to minister to people who don't know Christ, we're called to be a humble servant loving, kind, servant. We're not called to judge. We're not called to create an us versus them mindset. We're not called to pick a side. We're called to bring peace and to bring light, to take what we have learned in the kingdom of God and make a difference in the world around us. You know, this past weekend, I had the ability to go on a trip with some friends. And my wife and I, we went on a trip with some of our friends and we were on a flight. And I'm watching a movie about halfway or three quarters of the way through this flight. And I'm watching a movie, I got my headphones in. When all of a sudden I hear a scream. There's a few things you don't wanna hear on a plane. (laughs) 
A scream is one of them. It wasn't like a baby scream. It was like a, fee- a woman screaming. I took out my headphones, and all of a sudden, I hear all this commotion behind me. I hear help, more people screaming, gasps. We need a doctor. Once again, things you really don't want to hear on an airplane. So I get up, and I turn around, and I see a guy who had collapsed right in the middle aisle in the plane, just laying face first on the ground. And it was amazing how panicky people got in that moment. It really was. And I'm trying to just like, hey, everybody, calm down. It's going to be okay. When I'm saying that, as I was saying that, the guy in front of me, my friend Mike, he's a policeman, and um, he jumps up and springs into action. I mean, he literally jumped up, jumped over his wife. He was in the middle aisle, jumped over his wife, and started running towards the guy, like running towards him. And he gets right down to this guy. I mean, everybody's chaotic, right? They're screaming, they're gasping, they're getting away from this guy. They don't know what to do. He runs right towards him. Why? Because he's trained for these exact situations. He runs towards him and he starts working on the guy. He tries to get a pulse, turns him over on his side, starts to do a few things. And within four or five minutes, he had the guy sitting up, drinking a glass of water, Apparently, the guy had passed out because he was extremely dehydrated and very nervous about flying. But he was there and he knew exactly what to do. He ran towards it. You see, all of his training, all of what he had learned was for moments like this. And that's when I had a revelation. Everything we learn All the times we sit in church and we hear a principle of the kingdom of God and it goes deep into our heart. Every time we're studying his word and we feel like God is speaking to us through that word, it's not just for us. It's training us and equipping us because there's going to be a moment where all of that learning and all of that love needs to go into action. And imagine if we had an army of Christians, a room full of Christians who learned so much about the kingdom of God, who had such a heart for Christ, who was transformed so much by his word, that knew their God so closely, that walked in the spirit and could discern the spirit realm, that when these things happen, instead of running away, instead of creating an us versus them, instead of posting a bad article on Facebook, what we would do is we would run towards the situation and bring peace and hope and rest to the chaos. Just like Mike ran towards this person who was collapsed, we have the ability in the spirit realm to help the people, to bring life to the people who are collapsing all around us. We bring peace and hope to the tormented and hopeless. We have the ability to do that. Why? Because we've spent time with Jesus. Because we know how to love like Jesus loves. Because we've learned from Jesus. That gives us the ability to have something supernatural that most people never carry with them. But we have it. And it's time, church. 
It's time for us to take everything we've learned, everything that we know about the kingdom and start to bring peace and hope and light to the world. It's time. Now's the time. And I know there's a few dark things happening around. But it doesn't do us any good to get upset, to get angry, and to create an us versus them mentality. It does us good to bring hope, peace, and wisdom. Wisdom. Use wisdom to these situations. So I just want to close real quick. We are launching a semester of life groups right now, our spring semester. You can register today. And we have designed our life group semester off of this very sermon, like off of this, the very words of Jesus. This love, learn, and serve concept. In fact, we have life groups that are designed to help people love or experience love. We have life groups that are designed to help people learn. And we have life groups designed to help people serve. So wherever you're at at in the spectrum, maybe you've had a hard year and you just need a few friends to do life with or you just need some peace in your life because you've experienced some pain and loss. We have groups designed for love. Maybe you're just here and you're like, I want to go deeper in God's word. I want to learn more. I want to I become that disciple. I want to be like that seed that was sown into the good soil that just learns and grows and understands who God is. I want a mentor. We have a group. We have groups designed for you to learn from leaders who have been in the faith a while. We also have groups designed for you to serve. Maybe it's time you just want to do something with your faith. You've learned, you've loved, but you're just passionate about doing something. We have several groups designed for you to get involved and do something. But I want to encourage every single one of you. Jesus loved through authentic community. And I want to encourage you to jump into this life group ministry. If you haven't before, if you haven't, you haven't done it in a while, jump into this authentic community because it's in this community where we love, learn, and serve together. When we experience all the facets of what Christ did with his disciples, we get to experience that together. And we believe true life change happens in the context of those relationships. So I want to encourage everyone, if you haven't, we've had 450 people already sign up for Life Groups last week alone. But if you have it, jump in. It's designed for you. It's designed to help you go to that next level in your walk with Christ. So before we dismiss, I have just a short video about some leaders and some people who joined a life group and what it, how it impacted their life. Let's watch this real quick. Hi, my name's Craig Riffle, and this is my wife, Rhonda. Uh, we've been life group leaders for about 15 years, and... Uh, We've been at uh, CCC for about 16. I feel like it's always been a gifting of mine, uh, hospitality. Um, I come by it honestly. My, my parents were big entertainers, and, and we just always had a lot of parties around our house. I've found a lot of times people don't feel connected. Uh, they feel like they come uh, to church and then just leave. They don't, they don't uh, 
really connect with anybody or fit or feel like they fit. And so I wanted to uh, be a part of making people feel like they fit, like they're loved, like they're cared for. What I've seen as fruit um, from serving people is that they in turn are serving. And some of the people that have were new to the church and decided to step out of their comfort zone and join a life group that would benefit their family and get to know a lot of people all at once um, are now serving monthly, weekly um, in our church body, our church family. My name's Joe Trumpeter and this is my wife Bev and uh, we've been coming here for I don't know, 12, 15 years. I can't, I can't tell how long. But anyway, uh, we came up with this class with Connie and Dave Bauer. And uh, yeah, we want to go. We want to we get fed. We wanna, we're hungry. We need some more food. And so we start going. And from the very first day, it was exciting. And we, went, we came to, to all their, their meetings. It was really enjoyable. We knew some of the people going in and the people that we met. I found they had a lot of depth to them that I wasn't totally aware of, that you would just see them in church and maybe say hi. Mm. But now I'm, you kind of see their heart. Everybody's there just to enjoy each other's company. Nobody is uh, feeling like they have to be a certain way or act a certain way or be spiritual enough. And, and it makes them just real people who they are. And then they find out that these other people that are there are real people just like they are. And, they interconnect and, and then eventually I see that they start uh, meeting up in the, in the lobby. I'll see, you know, even though we're not in the center of it, our, our group members are uh, getting together with each other out there. And it, it really is kind of heartwarming to see that. Um, and then, you know, you start hearing people talk about their, their needs and, and praying for each other or visiting each other in the hospital or, or taking a meal over to somebody. And so you do see good spiritual work come of this even though it starts out as purely social. They've got your backs. I mean, if you got a problem, you can talk with them. You know, you can go off to the side, you know, tell me what's going on, you know, I want to tell you what's going on in my life. And it's not like, I mean, you come here to church and, and Sunday after church we coffee and have fellowship and you can talk with people, but it's, it's more intimate. I mean, you get a little closer, you know, and sometimes even closer than with your own kids or your own relatives. And that's, that's, I think that's what we're getting a lot out of it, is just that the closeness with other people. I have to be bold. And that's a spiritual endeavor for me sometimes. I know some might be laughing because I can be outgoing and bold with kindergartners. <laughs> but um, I believe that it's a very spiritual experience to be part of a life group, regardless of its theme. But you don't have time to spend with everybody. So right. this is a great opportunity mm -hmm. to put aside that time and you just know you're going to focus yeah. on what you're going to learn more and grow and experience. But I really feel like there's going to be a great move of God and I want to be part of that. Every time I write my emails out to the to group to let them know what's coming up next, uh, I always say, hey, life group family or something to that effect um, because these people are who I pray for. They're people that I want to do things with, and um, I, I love them. They're 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 just the people I want to be with. I, there's really no no reason, no good reason, I think, that um, 
a person shouldn't be in some life group. I mean, every person in our church can fit into one of these life groups. There's so many good opportunities, whether it's a, a deep spiritual Bible study or whether it's a running group or whether it's um, just having fun at the Riffles house. Um, it, there's, there's something for everyone. And I think each one of us can gain uh, some level of uh, enjoyment and fulfillment and, and feeling of connectedness. I'm going to let our life group leaders go ahead and leave at this time and go upstairs. And I just want to encourage everyone. We have our rally days going on upstairs. You can meet and talk to life group leaders. All our coffee and donuts are up there, so you have to go up there anyway. Um, but walk around. Talk to some of these leaders. Talk to some other people who have been in a group. And I just want to encourage every single person. You, you want to go to that next left as a, our next level as a disciple of Christ. I believe this is it. I believe this is where it happens at CCC. And so I just want to encourage you to do it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for everything that you taught us. Lord, when we spend time with you, we're loved unconditionally. Thank you for that. Lord, you've taught us so much about who you are and how to live this life the best way possible. Thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that this would be the time where we take all of that love, all of that grace, all of that teaching, and we turn it into us going out and doing something for the kingdom, being a light to people who are dark around us. We thank you that we have you, that we know you. Thank you, Lord. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.